Hey everyone, I'm Meg and you are listening to Coffee With, the series where I chat to and paint awesome and inspiring people using coffee. This series is all about sharing the stories and journeys of those of us who are trying to pursue our passions, inspire others and make a real positive impact on the world. With each Coffee With episode, there will also be a video uploaded on my YouTube channel where I paint my guests in coffee and so we'll of course leave links to those in the show notes. And with that said, grab yourself a cup of coffee or other drink if you prefer and let's get into the episode. episode one of Coffee With. Now this episode was uploaded to my YouTube channel quite a few months ago but I've readjusted it and this is the first time that I'm putting it as a proper podcast so I've changed a few things around and hopefully it sounds a little bit better and flows a bit better but for episode one I decided to kick off the series with one of my best friends who I've known for over 10 years now Dina Stevens, also known as Dina Pie. I really loved this conversation and I really do want to have Dina back on the podcast for a second episode because she has so much experience and so much knowledge. She's incredibly smart and intelligent and just an overall amazing person. So I'm not going to ramble on too much more. I'm going to let Dina share her experiences and a bit about her life and what she does. And yeah, this is episode one. Let's get to it. Right, so Dina, you're going to introduce yourself and give a brief overview of what you do in 60 seconds. No pressure to, you know, hit that 60 seconds. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay, so we're going to go in three, two, one, and go. So hi everyone, I'm Dina Pai, also known as Dina Stevens. I went to uni for visual communication. It's kind of like graphic design, but I wanted to become a filmmaker, so I did. And I do freelance videography. Yeah, and then I do videography and editing work for clients, and that's it. I mean, that was really great. There is loads more, just for everyone listening, there is loads more that Dina has done. I feel like that was a very, very modest overview. But we'll get into that, I think, later in this chat. So basically what we're going to chat about today with Dina Pai is a brief touch on uni, so kind of uni life and your experiences, life after uni. I think that's quite an interesting topic because a lot of people say that's when you enter the quote-unquote real world which I don't know if that's like a thing but we'll find out. As you mentioned you do a lot of films so being a part of the film industry and your experiences and then your greatest achievement to date. Three of your biggest tips or pieces of advice that you'd give to other filmmakers or people trying to tap into the media industry and then we have a special very special question at the end which we'll leave that till the end. So you'll just have to keep listening to find out what that is. So, as you mentioned, you went to uni and you studied graphic design but kind of dabbled in a bit of film. So do you want to chat a little bit about that and your experience at uni? Yeah, so at uni I was super all over the place. I switched majors five times. Uh, I started off in advertising but then I switched over to design school and that was like super difficult because we had to do the foundations year which was like a mixture of architecture students and interior design, graphic design people, and multimedia design, which is the thing I originally wanted to go into. 
And yeah, then throughout uni, I think whenever there was a professor who like really inspired me, I kept thinking, oh, I want to do that now. So like one semester I had a really cool photography professor and I thought I wanted to be a photographer. So I put all my efforts into that. And then there was even a time where I wanted to be a product designer. And I can't imagine that nowadays. Like I think that was because I was super inspired and I wanted to be a sculptor and all that kind of stuff. So I ended up with three minors in animation, illustration, and film. But I eventually graduated with visual communication. So we were doing like a lot of books and branding design, which I think has helped me the most in later life. Like when creating presentations, you really need to know how to do that stuff. Websites, yeah, and making your own like design materials is just so helpful. I think by the third year when I met my professor Jack, I just really wanted to be a filmmaker. Like, and I think that's the thing in my life that has really stuck. Because throughout my whole life I had been drawing, but then it would go kind of on and off sometimes. Like I was drawing like eight hours a day, but then I think four years ago I just like cold turkey stopped drawing, which is really weird. Yeah. You know, because I had been drawing my whole life. But yeah, so at uni I was like all over the place, but it was a really cool type of all over the place because I was always really inspired. But there was just so much pressure and the deadlines were crazy. I think when I graduated, I was feeling super burnt out without realizing. Like I was just numb to everything. And yeah, and I think from there I started this journey of kind of like soul searching and trying to figure out what to do next. Definitely. I mean, like, you know, I went to uni for a grand total of one week. It was an interesting experience. (laughs) But I can, you know, a lot of people that I've chatted to have said that by the end of their degree, they just feel so burnt out and they feel so drained and kind of in a way really resistant to continue what they were studying at uni because it was just so much and there was so much pressure that it's like you have this freedom now and you kind of just want to do anything but what you were doing for those four, five, six years. What was it like when you finished uni and kind of how did you go into that whole, you know, entering the real world? And I'm putting quotes on that because I don't know if I believe that or not, but, you know, that whole idea of you've done your degree, you are an adult and you have to find a job and that kind of stuff. How was that for you? So that's the thing. Right before graduating, everyone kept telling us, oh, you're about to enter the real world, which I thought was kind of silly because I was like, I thought when you're born, it's kind of like when life starts, you know, like, and especially for people who haven't had the opportunity to get a college degree, like where have they been this whole time? You know what I mean? So I found that really offensive, I guess. And it's so weird, though, because once I graduated and, like, entered the real world, it felt like everything had shut down. It's like I hadn't realized that in uni, um, because of the really strict deadlines and, like, all the events that they host for students, there's so many opportunities when you're actually going to uni. And they're always telling you, like, oh, there's this internship and that internship. And, like, I had done so many internships and I had applied for positions that you could have only have gotten as a university student or for college credit. So it was really disappointing, I think, because I kept thinking that as soon as I graduated, I could do so much stuff. But then it's like, as soon as I graduated, it was like such an ugly like introduction, I guess, because everyone expects you to work for free, especially when you're starting out. And or I guess as a freelancer, even they would always ask you to do it for exposure. And I think it's even worse, the more popular social media became the more they're like oh I'll just tag you in the post and like you might get more followers that's more exposure right 
And it's like, but you know, your followers won't pay the bills or like feed you. <laughs> so I always found that really silly. I feel like a lot of the time now, especially with art and especially with creatives is, you know, huge companies are in a way really milking the fact that, you know, they can use social media as a leverage and social media exposure to get artists to do things for free, which is actually really wrong because I was watching a video the other day where someone was saying like in any other field, for example, a chef, if you went up to a chef and said, hey, cook me this meal for free and I'll, you know, put it on social media or, or that kind of thing. If you put it into a different field, into a slight different area, it makes no sense. So why why should artists have to suffer and I would say work even harder to make a living when these big companies that do have the funds, they do have that money to to really help you out and actually pay for the work and the hours you put into, you know, whether it's film or illustrations or graphics, they do have that budget. They're just really, I don't want to say like it's it's not, not ethical, but in a way it's kind of not. Did you, because you said that you did quite a few internships, do you want to chat a little bit about that and whether that helped you after you left uni? So, you know, that's something that I remember we had talked about in school was about the ethics of internships because they were saying that there's a lot of times where companies nowadays, I guess, will tell you to come on in as an intern and they expect you to do work for free, you know, but an internship should either be paid if they're going to make you do work or it should be something where you're not doing that much work, but they're training you and giving you new skills and teaching you, you know, so fortunately the internships, most of the internships I had done were just very eye-opening experiences and things where I was like, oh, I really want to be an animator. But then I was at this one place where they made like these short motion graphic commercials and I only lasted like a week. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it was so stressful and the animators were like dead. And I asked them like, you know, what's your life like? Do you guys go out much? And, you know, they just stay in a dark room all day long, you know, in a really yeah. tiny space together. And I just thought like, that's not the life I want. And it was so difficult to do the work because it's like you close down your laptop at end of day and you take it home with you and you work throughout the night. And I just thought like, that's not what I want to do. Like I've always had my own personal rule of never working past midnight. Like I don't believe in pulling all nighters. I believe in taking breaks and coming back refreshed and everything because I think the product is better. But there were some internships where I did kind of feel like we were being taken advantage of like me and all the other interns, like we would work so much and you would notice that whoever else was above you, like your supervisor, was just giving you all of their work and they would pressure you to get it done and you would be staying in the office super late and you're just like, why am I here? Like you didn't feel like you were learning. You were coming in with pre-existing skills and you were just leaving exhausted and uninspired. And you know, it's weird because nowadays when I hear that someone's taking on a free internship and they say, oh, I'm gonna do it for three months or six months, I really feel like, because I think a lot of unis have um, like a limit set in place, which is about six weeks during the summer or fall. And so I feel like when you do work for free for three months or six months, and then, you know, the company's telling you, oh, and we might be offering a full-time position if you do really well, but they're just going to grab another student who wants to get something on their portfolio, something on their CV. And that's what I realized when I graduated was that all of a sudden everything just shut down because of that. 
because there's all of these young and experienced people who don't know better and who aren't willing to also just like leave a place because they think oh no but it'll go on my cv at least so i'll just stick around for that without knowing that they're helping keep up the standards of people being taken advantage of basically and i wish there was more awareness about that definitely i mean have you experienced any companies who have kind of paid internship programs have you gone on any paid internship programs yeah i've never been paid for an internship before like i'm trying to think i think i've been paid for like maybe a certain project within that like let's say if suddenly there was a client and they really loved what we did we might have cashed in on that and if i was like a big lead on it i would get some of it but it was like very minute like it wasn't much and they might have counted only like if we had done a shoot for example but it wouldn't have covered like I don't know, like, let's say two months of research work or something, which, you know, builds up to an eventual shoot. But from a lot of internships, I have created a network, I guess, where I've been able to freelance off of that. But that's really only another colleague at work who was like super sweet and welcoming and wanted you to learn more and took you seriously enough to say, hey, I'd like to hire you for something this weekend or for this side project. And I think that's really cool. But I don't normally see bosses as the ones doing that or, you know, giving you more opportunities beyond the internship. Definitely. And I know that you've done internships kind of, I mean, everywhere, really. You know, you've had experience in a lot of different places. And it just seems, I think this is kind of a global a global issue, really, of graduates, you know, coming out of uni. Like, I know from, like, my side of things, I think the reason that I have the position that I have now is because of the experience But had I gone to uni, I don't think I would have been able to get that experience. So it's that whole kind of catch-22 where I think a lot of people go through this where they have no time at uni and they don't necessarily have the time to do these internships or gain the experience so that when they come out, they do go for these free internships because that's where the experience is. But then someone who hasn't gone to uni might gain that experience during those years and then be able to go straight into a job because of that experience it's it's a really weird kind of gray area I think where I feel like it's such a shame for people who do decide to go to uni because I think a lot of people now put uni down and say you know it's a money-making scheme and all this stuff there is a side of me that does agree you know it's incredibly expensive and the unis are turning into businesses but if you are passionate about a subject and you choose to commit yourself for that amount of time to learning that subject, I feel like you should be rewarded, you know, with a, a great position and financially to support those skills that you've learned. Have there been any people that you've met in your, you know, the, your journey and things after uni that have led you on, like you said, to cool opportunities, cool other jobs, which might be more freelance or just by people that you know? Okay, there's a lot going on in my head at the moment because, yeah, there were a lot of people, but there's something that you said that really started a whole new train of thought for me. And I, I think we should touch on that. It's a, about finances, actually. You made a really, really good point about how people at uni, like they're preoccupied with doing different stuff and they're taught different stuff. Like let's say they're taught like the technicalities on the foundations of like some type of art medium and how to like, draw or film or whatever but then someone I'll say this they're already in the real world and they're not going to uni and I feel like they have such a huge advantage because it's kind of like street smarts versus book smart you know and one is theory and one is practice 
And so I feel like the person who's already out there in the world who isn't going to uni, but they have to get a job and they have to hustle. I feel like they're much better at negotiating contracts. They're much better at getting budgets out of a client and they're much better at getting paid because I can say so confidently that, you know, I graduated four years ago and I think only this month, like it took me four years to get here, but only this month am I actually really confident in talking to clients about a budget, about a quotation, about when they owe me money and when I need my invoice and when they have to pay me and like sending my details over. Like before I used to be so shy and I used to think like, oh, it's really impolite to mention money and all that stuff. But then it hit me like you wouldn't walk into a grocery store and pick something up and be like, I'll send you something like in a month or two, you know, or like I'll just tag you on Instagram. That would be insane, you know? It's so weird because the people who have taught me about money haven't been people from the filmmaking world. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, which is something I guess like I never really expected, but I have this one client that I kind of freelance with on and off. They're an entrepreneurship center in Sharjah. And so I really love them because they invite me over to events to cover it, you know, and I go around filming some stuff quickly. But because they, they're entrepreneurs, they bring in a lot of other entrepreneurs and a lot of business people to mentor them. So I've been picking up stuff here and there just from listening in on, you know, like the talks and everything. And when I'm editing, I can, you know, hear what they're actually talking about because on set you're always like going, oh, is something in focus or is the lighting right? So yeah, it's been really interesting because I've learned so much from them and from like befriending them. And now I'm not even shy to ask them for their opinion. Like if I have any issues with any other clients, like I'm trying to squeeze out a budget from them, but I don't know how to talk about it. I know that the HR person at the Entrepreneurship Center is my friend and I can just like message her at any time and ask her questions about that. But now I also really pay attention to what other people's jobs are. So if I meet new people, I always ask them like, what do you do? And if they tell me that they're into business or they help run something or they're a manager, I always keep them in mind and just like hit them up with so many questions. Like I'm not shy about it anymore. And I feel like I've learned so much to the point that I want to start my own thing. Like, I've kind of yeah. always wanted to start my own thing. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's really weird because I'm not sure if I've met the right people in the film industry yet. I've noticed a lot of people hide credit. I've worked with people who, let's say they were the lead on a project, and then someone would come up to them, like the client or the producer, and they'd say like, oh, I really love, let's say, the curtains. Okay, that might sound really weird, but like, let's say you as someone working under the supervisor, you were the one who suggested we use those curtains and you were the one who said this color and fabric is lovely, it'll look great in the shots. And then the producer comes over and says like, I love the curtains, that was such a good idea. And you fought yeah. with your supervisor on that, you know, and then now all of a sudden your supervisor is like, oh, thanks. Yeah, I thought it would be really good, you know, and I've seen that so much or like where there's a whole team that has worked on a short film but only the director will take credit and the way that they speak like i'm so sensitive to the use of language like when i hear someone who's worked on a collaborative effort say things as i my me always putting themselves into it instead of saying our film our team us you know and those sort of words like i just feel like i can't trust people who don't say we you know i think also at the moment it just seems everyone entrepreneurialism i don't know if that's a word to to be an entrepreneur we'll, we'll stick with that or to be a personal brand or independent creative who is big on social media or just big in general i feel like everyone is focusing a lot 
on themselves and their individual journeys. Whereas like you mentioned, it's not all about that individual journey. You can only get so far as an individual. You need to learn from other people. You need to talk with other people and really ask them questions about their skill and and things that they're passionate about because people love being asked questions about things that they know about and I think people love being able to share their knowledge with things that they know about and I think you know at the moment that there is this kind of mentality where we're all in our own individual lanes and it's only when push comes to shove that we really cross over into each you know into each other's lanes it kind of seems like in the film industry it's very much this is my thing I'm gonna be the star of it and all the people underneath don't matter, which is really sad, you know, because a film is a collaborative thing. Like I remember when we did the 48 hour film project, which for those of you who don't know is a, is it yearly? A yearly competition? Yeah. Yeah, so a yearly competition where you get into teams and basically you have 48 hours to make a film. And I have to say, like, it was genuinely one of the most fun and the best experiences ever. I mean, we we were all delusional by the end of it, (laughs) you know. It was to stay up, like, for 48 hours and to, you know, be constantly doing things and for you to be directing and then editing and putting everything together. We definitely lost the plot a little bit by the end of it, but that experience just went to show that collaboration is key in producing really amazing things. And without each individual person there, we would not have been able to create what we created. I think what I really appreciated about that whole experience as well is you as the director, and I would say just as the overall kind of person running this project you allowed for each individual person to shine and to have their place and that was really awesome so I think you you know you do that really well we're gonna move on to a little bit more of some really good things that you've learned so you know being part of the film industry the whole creative industry media industry what are some things that you feel are your greatest achievements that you've learned or that you've produced or created over these past few years okay so that's something I've been trying to think about for a while now and I find it really hard to talk about because I, I think a problem is that in my head, when you achieve something, it's kind of like almost a end goal, like, and you're like, yeah, I did it. And so I feel like when I say achievements, I feel like I haven't achieved. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but I do think there were peaks or things that I felt very confident about, you know, or I'd like to go back to, not like to go back in time, but to do again to make better does that make sense absolutely i think i'll have to elaborate then basically okay wait let me quickly read my notes super quick yeah when i was in uni like i i counted it up and stuff like so i had spent five years in uni i think i won like about 11 awards like kind of certificates or titles you have done some really incredible things i just want everyone out there to know that because you are really, you are really humble and you're just like, you've done so many amazing things. Well, thank you. But yeah, but you know, I was thinking about those 11 things and I don't know if I ever saw them as achievements. Mm. One of them, I won a cash prize and I was able to buy my camera and my laptop with it. So that did feel like a huge achievement because I felt like, wow, I'm my own sugar mama. This is really cool. (laughs) But 
yeah, it's weird though because I didn't see them as achievements because I had made the work and then like months later you would find out that, oh, you won this award because of that work and I would feel like, oh, I, I don't feel it. Like for some reason it just, it didn't feel like anything. I think maybe the 48 hour film projects, I would have felt something because it was almost immediate, you know? I think maybe getting into film festivals felt really huge because I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get so much exposure, I'm going to meet so many people. And that's not entirely true either. You know, it's weird because what looks prestigious actually really isn't. But I think that's why you try to sell it as that. Because like, let's say for example, I went to Cannes Film Festival. It's the biggest film festival in the world. It's meant to be like a huge honor and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if I should be saying this publicly, but I feel like that only serves as something to talk about. So like yeah. when I know I have to like impress someone and I'm, I, I have to try like really hard, I have to sell it as that, like, oh, I made a short film and it went to Cannes Film Festival and, like, I went. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, you try to hype yourself up. But to me, honestly, it didn't mean much. Like, I went and it was really awesome experience. But I don't know. I guess I didn't let it get to my head. Does that make sense? No, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and but I think what really I felt like was probably my biggest achievement to date was taking what I love to do which is filmmaking and doing it for a cause like two years ago I was in Greece for the weekend like it was only a four-day trip and I made a documentary and that for me I think was my favorite film to date or one of my favorites that's hard to say as well but it was one of my favorites and what I loved was that I saw the impact of meaningful filmmaking because up until that point, I had only made films about jokes. Well, I made one that was also, I think, quite important. And it wasn't a joke. It was about someone's real life. Yeah, that was for Yara. And so I think from that experience, like Yara's sister was like an activist and we had made a film about that. And I think that kind of like put a seed in my head and... Later, I started thinking about, okay, what if I made documentary films? And like, Professor Jack was my mentor in school, and he was a filmmaker who was making a lot of documentaries. And right before he passed away, he had spoken about the refugee crisis. So I felt like I wanted to do something also meaningful. Like, I know that he was a war documentarian. I used to edit his videos and stuff. And I wanted to document war, not because like, I'm like, ooh, gruesome stuff, but to show like really the negative stuff that happens as a result of war in a way to try to like encourage people to want to stop upcoming wars, you know, and like how can we all relate to each other a little bit better and empathize? Because I feel like everyone got so desensitized. Like, you know, if you look at what's happening in Syria, like, or I mean anywhere else in the world where there are refugees coming out of or people coming from poverty or I don't know, like a health crisis. I just feel like you're so quick to quickly scroll past it because you just don't want to deal with it. It's weird because I think, so you know, it's funny because I had graduated, I was working with Professor Jack and then he passed away. And from that experience, it's like, I just wanted to find meaning in something, you know? And I feel like I was falling all over the place. I was freelancing in luxury places with luxury clients. And it was so weird, like they would ask us, do you want a chocolate croissant? Like on set, you know, like just randomly coming up to you with like, all this stuff that was so unnecessary, which is really nice, of course, because like when I worked in Los Angeles, I felt like we weren't ever fed properly. <laughs> we were all um, the, what is it called? Production assistants. That We yeah. were the PAs, so we never got to eat. Like lunch was like a rare thing. But it was weird then, you know, freelancing in Dubai. And I didn't feel comfortable because I felt like 
I'm not doing anything. Like, you know, I was watching the news. I was seeing all this horrible stuff happen. And then all of a sudden my sister was like, oh, let's, you know, go to Greece and help refugees. And I thought that was insane. And we went and it's like, I felt like I finally found a way to marry what my passion is with something that could potentially help other people. So, you know, I thought about that and we had made this documentary and it was so interesting because of the feedback, I guess, because there were a lot of people who, they were also making documentaries and they were telling me, you're misrepresenting the refugee crisis. Cause I was showing people laughing at camp and like playing music and dancing and showing how basically when we have a bad day, like we feel like the whole world's falling apart but these people have like fled their homes and they're living out in the middle of nowhere in tents and they're so positive, like they're way stronger than we are, you know? And so I wanted to show that because I thought it was really inspirational. But then other filmmakers were like, oh, you're hurting like fundraisers and things like that because now people won't want to donate because they don't think it's as serious of a situation. But what's funny is that people watched it and they felt embarrassed that you know, that they aren't able to tackle life with the same type of attitude. And there was like a spike in fundraising for a lot of people. And we had a lot of volunteers coming in. So for me, that was like a huge achievement of mine because I felt like I found a way to do what I love and, you know, to also help out a bit. And I think that's something I always try to keep in mind now. Like whenever I'm doing something, I always just think like, how will this help others? Or like, what from this can result in something else that helps others? I think it's like also the intention behind things like we were chatting about before we started recording is, you know, having having a purpose or reason behind creating something or, or making something and putting it out there. Each and every one of us has, has the ability to have some sort of impact on on the world, you know, through social media. Anything that we put out on social media could reach or could have the possibility of reaching thousands, perhaps millions of people. And I feel like, in a way, we do have a responsibility to make sure that there is some kind of value in in what we're producing. And I think as creators anyways, I feel like most of us do, or, or I hope most of us do have that intention or that want to produce or create things that will have some sort of impact whether it's educational motivational inspirational just seeing you going through that whole experience in Greece and dedicating so much of your time and efforts and everything into that and also the content that you created from that and just really how much hard work you put into it it was so incredibly motivating and inspirational and it went to show when like I remember visiting you it was I mean this was the last time I was with you which was I think it was 2016 okay two two years ago and we bumped into some of our friends at an open air art cinema thing everyone that we met was just like amazed and really celebrated you because of all the work that you had done in Greece and I hope like I hope you know that just goes to show that that had such a great impact and you know that is an amazing achievement from that what's some advice or like three tips or advice that you would have to either filmmakers out there or creatives out there who want to pursue their creative dreams or who want to pursue something in the film industry 
what would you say to them? They could be people who haven't gone to uni, but I think specifically more to people who have. What nuggets of knowledge would you give to them? So yeah, there's so much I can say to someone. And honestly, a lot of the advice I would give out, I wish I would listen to it more myself, you know? So one of them, I haven't written it down, so I'm going to say it first. Um, I think attitude is your number one thing that's really going to carry you through a lot of experiences. There's something that I've recently isolated as something that I think holds back a lot of people, which I think is jealousy, especially in a world that is so collaborative. Because I know like in school, they teach you how to be an A student, how to work well on your own, you know, so you learn how to work in isolation. But then the people who are like social butterflies and, you know, they're not really paying attention, but they're good at like speaking to other people and hanging out. Those people I've realized in the professional world do so much better than everyone else. And they really know how to put themselves out there. And that confidence that comes through, I think, is so important. But, you know, I realized something really huge. Like, let's say with filmmaking, it's just so collaborative. As soon as you have any jealous energy from anyone, I feel like it's enough to ruin the whole project, the whole cause, whatever you're working on, because they try to divide people rather than think like, hey, let's celebrate this person. What they're doing is really awesome. Can I learn from them? Can they help me somehow? If you can't even personally get something from that person, I don't think it's a big deal. Like, I think that there's so much energy you could spend on improving yourself, you know, like what new skills can you pick up? Like, let's say you see someone who's really good at lighting and you want them to help you with your thing, but then they're too busy for whatever reason, they just can't help you. I don't think that's a time to go and like trash talk that person and tell everyone else like, oh my gosh, they won't help me. They're so mean or whatever. I think it's time to like get on YouTube, watch as many lighting tutorials as possible and find out ways of how you can improve your lighting. You know, like I know that it's really hard when you don't have all the tools. Like filmmaking is a very expensive art. You know, you need all this equipment and sometimes you look at other people's work and you just think, why does that look professional and mine doesn't? Like, but I always think there's ways around that where you can have like the crappiest tools ever, but make really um, engaging work, especially if it has a lot of heart to it. I mean, Sundance Film Festival, for example, I, I think it was like two years ago or something, an iPhone movie won. You know, something like that is like really inspiring because like we all have phones, you know, you can even edit on your phone. Like we have iMovie on our phone. I know it's crazy. You have no excuse, you know, like, um, and you can make something really cool. And you know, what's funny is that you could then use that and pitch it to other people or just use it as an example to a potential client and just say, oh, if you increase the budget, we can rent out actual equipment, you know, and I think that's totally fine. So yeah, that. That was one of them. It's like your attitude, you really shouldn't be jealous of others. You should always feel inspired by others in any sort of way that you can take inspiration from someone, you should. You should be able to feel motivated. I think especially when people look at other women, I'm talking about women also looking at other women. A lot of them I've realized is that, like especially working with a lot of entrepreneurs, I hear a lot of other people just trash talking women leadership, you know, and I find that really disappointing because I wish that we could look at other women and not feel intimidated. Like, I wish that we could feel like there's enough space for us in this competition. Like, not that it is a competition, but I guess like, let's say in our environment, like there's enough room for all of us, which is funny. That's actually something that Breaky said recently. So he was saying how he always feels like there's enough clients out there. There's enough work to book. So we shouldn't get mad at each other or, you know, or feel discouraged. Another thing that I found 
you know, it's funny because I think three years ago, I was super active on social media and on YouTube and everything. I was making a lot of work and then I just like went quiet. Like I just stopped uploading work essentially. Like I still, you know, almost vlog daily, by the way. I just never uploaded. Like I have videos I've edited, I've exported, I've just never uploaded. And it's really weird, but one of the main things I think that will make or break you in today's world especially is branding and your use of social media. Like I think if you can be as visible as possible, like let's say even each time that you ever work on something, if you just whip out your phone and you know, you just put it on your Instagram story even, I think that's more than enough to show that you're active. Because you could be as active as possible. You could be making the most beautiful work possible. But if you're just sitting in your room all day and no one knows it, you know, and if you're not going out to events and networking and introducing yourself, like, you're not going to get booked. Like, I've seen people who are extremely talented. They make incredibly beautiful work, no matter what media that is. And you just never hear about them. They never get booked by clients. They really struggle getting a job, you know, and I find that so sad. And I think like a lot of work that you do book or jobs that you do apply for that you actually hear back from, you always need someone like who's on the inside kind of to recommend you. It's like the connections really do make it. And I think for a lot of years, I kind of denied that mostly because I didn't have connections and I didn't know anyone who worked anywhere. So I kept saying like, oh no, like it doesn't matter if you have connections, you won't last, like don't worry about that. But now I'm like, okay, there's an event this weekend and as much as I want to be an introvert, I have to go out and attend that. I have to bring business cards. I might not have the best business cards, but they need my contact information somehow. I've learned that just making your website and updating it, because people really do check. They yeah. do check your social media. Like I've lost a lot of gigs, like potential gigs for Instagram video work because they would say, oh, we really want something trendy. We want this and that. I would show examples of my work. They love it, but then they go to my Instagram and they would say, oh, your last post was like in December 2016. Uh, we're not going to book you. Like, what do you know about social media? And I would be like, no, but I'm on Instagram every day commenting on girls' selfies, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that would be really disappointing, but that's on you, you know? Because it's like, it's so easy to sit there and just like complain about everything and complain about not getting booked or whatever. But you really have to put yourself out there and keep trying. And I think even if you're doing all of this and it's not working out, patience is also key. And you just really have to keep up a positive attitude. Another thing I would say is that you never know enough. So I think you should always learn. You should always seek out knowledge in any sort of way, like whether it's reading books or watching YouTube tutorials and practicing as much as you can. Because I don't think it's enough to like watch something and think, oh yeah, I understand the concept. It's like, okay, but that's just theory. Now go out and practice it, like actually do it and have results of that. Like I've booked work off of just random experimental videos where I would just tell the client like, oh, I made this, you know, it's 30 seconds long. Do you want to watch it? And they're like, yeah, sure. There might be like two seconds in that that give them an idea. And they're like, oh my gosh, we can make this, you know? Yeah, just put yourself out there, brand yourself, social media, and practice as much as you can. I think those are all like super, super solid pieces of advice. And I know personally, one thing that I struggle with is the networking side because I get, I mean, I'm like a real introvert. And, you know, that just the thought of initiating that conversation with someone just terrifies me so I think I think that's definitely something personally that 
I know I think has hindered potential work or just potential connections so those are really really awesome pieces of advice and I hope anyone listening out there who is you know going through this whole crazy social media world who is you know a creative or filmmaker hoping to get their work out there do take these pieces of advice because you know Dina's amazing and she knows she knows her stuff (laughs) cool so as I mentioned at the beginning of this little chat there is a bonus question which is a super exciting one and it's very topical because we're painting with coffee so to leave on a light note Dina Pai, what is your favorite coffee break it down we want all the details so you know it's kind of funny because it's like my favorite coffee isn't quite related to coffee because if you put caramel caramel in anything it becomes my favorite basically if you gave me like a caramel caramel how do you pronounce that word um, whichever way that you want to like melted sugar yes melted <laughs> melted sugar <laughs> So yeah, I think if you put like caramel into anything, it becomes my favorite. So it's like if it's a caramel cappuccino or a caramel macchiato or caramel latte, yeah, really my favorite coffee. But I can't have coffee. It has to be decaf. Decaf. Okay. I mean, that's great. So basically, it's a caramel line of any type of coffee. You're open and free to all types. The one requirement is it must have caramel or melted sugar. Yes. Unless it's black coffee. I I think I need something in that like it can't just be straight up black coffee with like caramel you know I think that would taste weird that would taste a bit weird I've never thought of that but like just caramel with a straight up espresso or americano would just be kind of funky you need some kind of milk thing to like really bring it together (laughs) well this has actually been like super fun. I was a bit nervous about this at the beginning because I've never done anything like this. Also, for those of you who are listening, Dina and I have an interesting friendship because we see each other probably once every few years, I would say. And we, we chat, like type chat online, but this is the first time we've kind of Skyped or Facebook video called ever, I think. And we've been like long distance best friends for like eight years now. But I think that's one of the things I love about our friendship is the fact that, you know, we do dip in and out and, you know, sometimes we'll like chat loads and sometimes there'll be long periods where we don't chat. But every time we do come together, it's just, it feels so like nothing's ever changed. Yeah, it's so weird because I remember once it had been like, three months without having spoken to each other like we didn't even text or anything and then we were like oh hey how's it been and it was like so normal (laughs) yeah it was crazy but I absolutely love it and this was super fun so thank you so much for being my first official guest on coffee with yeah that's like the official title of this series now if you guys are interested in checking out Dina's amazing work on any of her social media Dina where can the peoples of the world find you so they can find me under Dina pie that's Dina with two E's. Okay, so at D double E N A P I E. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm at court and the court reporter is like, wait, say that again. Cool. So I don't really know how to end these things, but oh, okay. No, I kind of do. So yes, this has been episode one. Really hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you would like Dina Pie to come back for another episode, which to be honest, I've kind of, I really do. Like I really, really do. I feel like we have so much more 
to chat about and that's exciting if you want her to come back for a second episode do let us know and if you have any suggestions on some other awesome and inspiring people that you would like me to have coffee with let us know as well and Dina, do you have anything to say before we go? Any like one-liners? Any one-liners? Uh, live, laugh, love. <laughs> I can't think of anything. <laughs> we'll, we'll end with live, laugh, love, and seize the day. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>